0: Welcome to the Gate World Podcast. Welcome to this week's installment of the Gate World Podcast. You are listening to episode number 21, and this is a very special discussion David and I have today. We're talking about fan entitlement. What do fans and viewers of the show expect when they tune in or when they go to the conventions and meet an actor? Uh, what should they expect? What are they entitled to? We also have a preview of our new interview with writer-producer Martin Garrow, and we'll run down the latest additions to GateWorld. It's better than a poke in the eye with a sharp stick, but not by much. The GateWorld podcast starts right now. My name is Darren Sumner, and David Reed, you're cozy at home this week. I am at home and it is cozy. Inside the house is nice and warm, and outside the house is
1: thirty-seven degrees. I bet it feels like you.
0: Beautiful Southern Illinois there. Instead yeah, of yeah. Your usual home in Arizona.
1: Exactly. It's sleeting. It was sleeting today as I was putting up Christmas lights. So it's uh, just. It was nice getting peppered in the eyes with uh, with water as I'm staring up at the sky trying to install lights. You know.
0: Oh yeah. It was rainy and gross here in in central New Jersey today, and I I was supposed to go out, but I decided not to. We have some extended time for our main discussion today. We uh, don't have a whole lot of news to talk about, but we do have some site features to get to before our main discussion. So let's talk about those.
2: GateWorld Features
0: Last week, we gave you a sneak peek at our interview with Peter Fleming, who plays Agent Malcolm Barrett on Stargate SG-1 and Atlantis. This interview is now up at GateWorld.net. We sat down with Peter in Vancouver and talked about his original casting for the tiny role of Barrett back in Wormhole Extreme. I think he had one or two lines in that episode. Uh, Talked about Barrett's relationship with Samantha Carter and much more. This is a 23-minute video interview, and you can watch it right now on the site.
1: Just this week, we caught up with writer and executive producer Martin Garrow. In our interview, Martin talks about the success of his film, YPF, working with the likes of Bill Nye and Neil deGrasse Tyson in the recent episode Brainstorm, and he even addresses some of the viewer criticisms of his episode. It's coming to the site later this week, but here's a preview for GateWorld Podcast listeners.
3: I had an inkling that this would be my last episode, kind of as I was thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, whether the show was going to get picked up or not, I wasn't sure whether I was going to come back. So. And I wanted to do something uh, you know, in my ever- never-ending, it seems, quest to kind of flesh out McKay's character. I wanted to um, see him with his friends or old buddies before. Because, you know, I always kind of picture him as a lonely guy, but that couldn't have been true forever. Mm -hmm. He must have had, you know, college buddies and stuff. And then just thinking about that, and then I was like, well, I don't want to do, like, a reunion, because, you know, we did that already in Bounty, and it was Mm -hmm. such a great episode.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
3: And so I just kind of shelved it. I didn't know necessarily what it was going to be. And then this whole thing came out where we had to do an episode about the environment, and we were like, "Well, how the f- are we going to do that?" I mean, we we're on another planet, you know. Wait,
1: there there was a discussion about doing an episode about the environment. We had to do one. You had yeah. to. What do you mean? You know, all,
3: all the NBC Universal shows last week had something to do with the environment. I'll be darned. Also, I'm told I didn't watch them. It was Green Week at NBC Universal the directive came down that if we could, could we do an episode about the environment or the environmental cause. And I, you know, came, you know, it kind of then the whole idea came together about, well, uh, Joe was going to write one that was kind of very, very metaphorically about the environment. And then I came up with this thing, which was, you know, a weather device that used the, you know, McKay Bridge to, you know, channel heat into another dimension and Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah.
0: And finally, as we draw toward the end of 2008, it's time for all the little boys, girls, and websites to take stock and think about what their New Year's resolutions might be. Before we make our plans for how GateWorld might change in 2009, we want to hear your ideas. Everything from the way we do news and interviews to episode coverage, the Omnipedia, the Image Gallery, GateWorld Play, everything on the site is up for comment. Don't worry, we don't have terribly drastic changes planned, but GateWorld has always been your site. And we want to hear your ideas for how we can do all of this stuff better. Look for the link and post your suggestions all month long at GateWorld Forum.
1: Doesn't matter if it's a little thing or a big thing. I, I was talking with my buddy Irene, who is uh, one of the animators at Stargate Worlds. We were talking about the late Donna S. Davis, and I asked her if she'd ever seen my interview with Don. And she says, no, I, I don't know how to find it on GateWorld. I'm like, what do you mean? She says, I- "There's so much stuff there, I can't find it." And I'm like, "Well, this is this is. We need to know this. If mm. if you can't find it, then you need to you need to tell us that." And just the next week, you posted this on the forum. So that's very good. It's yeah. very very Karnak of you.
0: I kind of did it on a whim. I was thinking about you know those projects, having a little bit of free time coming up over the holidays, and looking ahead toward next year. What are those projects that I need to get done? And mm-hmm. Atlantis is going to be coming to an end in January, and so we're going to start gearing up for the the big summer push for Stargate Universe, uh, which is going to entail some some changes to the site, some updates, and some shifts of focus. And you know, it's just kind of a of a given for us that whenever we start to think about doing anything drastically different, then we want to hear what people want, how they're using mm-hmm. the site, and how it's how it's not maybe meeting their needs mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, exactly.
1: I completely agree. And there's some stuff that I want to work on. You know, I want to start building a team for the Omnipedia and I we need to get that toy section up cuz we've been promising that for 2 years now. And there okay. are so many toys. There's I mean, toys I've been collecting them.
0: Figure section. Yeah, that's been in the works for actually off and on for a couple of years. Mhm. Yeah, yeah we we've gotten a lot of it. a lot of great feedback already. That's only been up for a few days now, and we've got, I think as as of this recording close to 100 people have have posted comments on on what they want to see.
1: Wow. That's extraordinary.
0: The main discussion.
1: This week's main discussion topic on gate world's podcast is fan entitlement. What do we as fans think that we are owed by the Stargate producers, writers, the actors of the show, anyone who serves the needs of production for creating uh, our show? What do we think we're owed? What is the, the spoken and the non-spoken about what fans think, um, they deserve. I mean, after all, people in the U.S. Uh, pay uh, for the cable access to get the show. Um, you can pay to get the show on iTunes, and you can pay to get it on DVD. Uh, and a lot of people think, you know, that's, that's basically all they need to, uh, make them worthy of putting their two cents in and expecting to get it back. This is a discussion that I have been wanting to bring up on the show for a long time.
0: It's kind of interesting. We got a lot of listener comments on this one this week, uh, which we'll get to as we go through the course of our discussion, we'll sort of pepper in your comments, um, but I'm, I'm interested in the fact that there is something of a split here. For a lot of people, it's kind of all or nothing. Some people said absolutely no entitlement whatsoever. Fans don't have any right to, to tell the producers what they want to see on the show and expect that it's going to happen. And then on the other side, there are people who, just like you said, say, you know, by committing myself to this show, by participating in online fandom, by mm-hmm. paying my good money, um, I spend a lot of hours of my life involved with these stories and these characters so I feel I feel a sense of ownership in this show. It's it's the viewer's show as much as it is the creators.
1: Yeah, I think it's pretty interesting. Some of the people who commented, you know, not to single anyone out in particular at all, but I think it's it's interesting. Some people who say that we aren't owed anything are well, are are the same people who will grope Michael Shanks's bottom at a convention, thinking that that's acceptable behavior. Mm-hmm. You know, treating him as property, which I have a real problem with.
0: I want to give a little a little structure, reveal how we're we're going to talk about this. Normally, we're talking okay. about episodes, so we, we talk through it kind of chronologically through the topics. Um, here, there's sort of different levels of entitlement that I think we're going to get to. One is is general viewers. If you as a viewer, if you're not particularly invested in in a show, maybe it's one of the Stargate shows, maybe it's something completely different. If you're just sitting down and and flipping channels and you decide to tune in, what are your rights as a general viewer? What should you expect from the show? Uh, then there's a second level of of as we said, fans who are more committed to the show, who are more long-term invested in the show? Uh, should they have any expectations of, of having an influence over that show? And mm-hmm. then the, the personal contact issue, which you bring up uh, in terms of some of the, the horror stories that have happened at fan conventions, is is kind of another subtopic that we'll want to get to. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And Is maybe even worthy of an, a completely new discussion in itself at some future point um, mm-hmm. to go along with conventions and things like that. The original... Um impetus is that a good word for wanting to have this uh discussion was a story that i heard about a few months ago and it just um it shook me to the core because it was about a person that i know and i had no idea at the time that this happened until later and i was like man oh man the nerve of some people i have a friend we're not naming uh, any names no we oh no 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 we're not gonna do that and this is true uh although i've changed a couple of the details as we all know, Bridge Studios auctions off a great deal of merchandise from the show and not from the show to benefit various charities. They're very good with giving their time and their effort to, the, uh, to various um, nonprofit uh, entities outside of production uh, because you know, these, are, these are good people. They are talented people and then they know what they've got and they want to put it to good use.
0: They're also very, very friendly and very welcoming. Every every year we go up there. It's at the time of, of Creation's big Vancouver convention, and they have a deal between Creation and the studio now, where where Creation can bring fans mm-hmm. to the set, and and they do it over the course of, of a, an entire morning or a couple of mornings on Saturday and Sunday during the convention. And they have exactly. multiple tour groups go get, they get to go through and and look at this stuff you get to see the stargate in person it's awesome
1: mhm yes that that's not what this particular incident was about though uh there was a fan uh who uh won an item that was auctioned off uh over the internet i guess on ebay or something and he dis- he elected to go and pick it up himself. He was in the neighborhood. So he went to, He went to go to Bridge Studios to get the item himself. I think they were willing to mail it to him, if, if if I get the story right. The Bridge Studios lot is gated. It's security. You can't trespass in this place. You have to go to the front gate. You have to tell them what you're there for. And by virtue of the reason that you're there, they will or will not let you in. So he said, I'm here to pick up my item. So are like, Okay. Here it is, you know, and you're going to have to turn right back around and head out because once they once they open the gates, you have to make a specific effort to turn around and drive out. Otherwise, you can go down to the lots where they're shooting, you know, and they made this expressly clear to this individual that you had to do this. This guy decided to give himself a tour of Bridge Studios Mm. and took his vehicle the other direction and started driving off into the set. He was going to check out Joe Flanagan on on the soundstage. They were in the middle of production on this day that this fan dropped by. So the, the gate person takes off down the path toward uh, where they're shooting, throws himself in front of the vehicle. Stop! You cannot go in here! Did you not hear me? I said you can't do this! You are an unauthorized visitor. The fan turns to him and says, I paid for this item. I deserve to be here. Mm. They paid for the item that they received. They also didn't pay for a visit to Bridge Studios. He thought otherwise. He thought that this was perfectly acceptable behavior. It's his show. The producers say all the time, you know, it wouldn't be around if it wasn't for, for fans like you. Yeah, right. Took it upon himself to go in and check everything out. Obviously, this person was escorted beside their car back off the premises. But this is not the only time that this has happened. You know, this happens every once in a while. And I was just so embarrassed that a fellow fan, uh, particularly someone I knew, uh, could think that this was acceptable behavior. You
0: know, and it's just it's frightening. Yeah.
1: Because it's it's not.
0: It's It's sort of the extreme example that proves the rule.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean it's scary stuff to think that to think that a fan thinks that they have that kind of privilege. It's like walking into the back office of a business, you know? You you just can't do it. And just because it's on television, we think that we have and because we've invited it into our living room, you know, we think we have the right to explore that space as well. And that's not the case. You know, as Martin Garrow will say in uh, the little bit that I have uh, from him that I'd like to contribute to this discussion, you know, there are dangerous things back there, not to mention things that they'd like to keep secret, uh, that can hurt people if they're not too careful, and they are liable, so... Yeah, should we play that right now? Yeah, let's go ahead and do that.
3: With the exception, of course, of uh, uh, trespassing. you know, that's that's something we can't let happen for obvious security reasons and, and, and secrecy stuff and... You know, there's a bunch of expensive stuff around there that is also dangerous. So you know, we can't just have people wandering around the the set. With the exception of that, uh, my feeling is feel as entitled to the show as you want. Quite honestly, I mean, like it is your show now. You know, but you have to understand that you're not, you know, you're not making that show. So it's a we're we're in a different difficult position. We agree that it's everyone's show, but we have to make the show that you know that we want to make otherwise you won't want to watch it yeah. you know there is there is no there is no system for us giving you what we think you want you know as fans it would just end in a disaster mm-hmm. you know, we we have to we have to have kind of our own internal compasses So
1: there's martin garrow we just uh, talked with him last week and i told him that this would be a discussion and and he had uh, some he had that comment to share and he also says, you know, that uh, he thinks that fans are entitled to uh, quality storytelling, you know. And he, he does want us to feel that it's our show. Um, but also, I mean, there there have to be boundaries, and that's what this discussion is about.
0: Yeah, and I think that's nice that, that he's – it kind of surprises me, but it's nice that he says that it's good. I mean, you guys as fans should feel that it's your show. You should feel a stake in it, some kind of ownership in it. But there is, there's a difference between being the viewer of a show and being the, the creator of a show. Yeah,
1: yeah. allowing yourself to go a little bit out of control. So first off, off you have general viewers. You know, there are millions of them floating around out there. Um, but what does the general viewer deserve to expect from the show when they tune in? And I think the, the general consensus from the letters that we got from our, our listener base is that um, we expect to receive 44, or 45 minutes of um, good entertainment. Mm-hmm. You know, and that is a very broad stroke. You know, that's, That comes down
0: to the individual and what he or she likes. Yeah, and, and along with that goes obviously the right to leave a show and to change the channel. If it's mm-hmm. if it goes in a direction you don't like, whether that is in a single episode, um, or if you watch a couple episodes, or if you've been watching it for ten years and you decide you're not content with the show anymore, uh, there there tends to be with Stargate a, a vocal group of fans who are long term fans of the franchise who have not enjoyed the on air stargate for several years now but who mm-hmm. still continue to continue watch to and yeah re- watch and participate in online fandom because they feel like they're part of the stargate family uh, mm-hmm. and and they're hoping for some sort of return to the glory days that they loved but they're not mm-hmm. fans of the show that's airing right now which is really interesting to me yeah um, general viewers though i think uh, you know i watch a lot of shows that i think are are creative and probably very well made and good and and they just haven't caught my attention obviously I have the right to to not watch a show but it's also important to recognize the difference between a general viewer and a hardcore fan and and recognize the fact that hardcore fans who play on forums like ours make up a very very small portion of the Mm -hmm. overall audience we're talking probably somewhere in the neighborhood of tens of thousands actively participating in forums Uh, hundreds of thousands are, are visiting websites and uh and then you you're into far into millions and tens of millions when you're talking about the show's overall worldwide audience
1: there's a big mm-hmm. difference
0: between 10000 and $10
1: Quade One says something, very, uh, says something very similar to that. I think the fans should have no say in the production of a show. If the fans actually knew, the, knew what they were doing, they would already be part of the show and not watching it. So often it is overlooked the fact that this is their job and that they are professionals. There are at least hundreds of thousands of viewers and the powers that be cannot cater to everyone's needs. Martin said in my discussion with him, you know, it's, it's okay to want a, a change in a show. But to expect to get it is delusional.
0: Yeah, I mean, last week we talked about Brainstorm and um, the McKay-Keller relationship is is a bit of a controversial topic in fandom right now. And to be honest, if you look at it from the the writer's point of view, I think for every person that hates the McKellar relationship, there's probably someone else, whatever the the fraction relationship is, there's someone else who loves it. Adores it. When fans are making demands at you from both sides, who are you going to listen to? I do think that that at the end of the day, when we're talking about uh, fans and their their communication and their relationship with producers, sometimes that's one way. Sometimes it's just producers giving interviews and and fans sort of hearing from from producers one way. Um, I think that that in those contexts, one thing that viewers do deserve, one thing that they are entitled to is to be treated with respect. And there are show producers out there who have gotten themselves in hot water, some of them recently. I'm thinking of of, uh, Heroes, which is one of my favorite shows right now. Oh, really? Um, The executive producer of Heroes, Tim Kring, got himself in a bit of a hot water situation a couple of weeks ago. He was talking about watching the show on air in the live broadcast and, and the ratings issue that comes with needing people to do that. Uh, and and how he's frustrated with the way the rating system is only measuring those people and not all the other viewers. This is something that we know really well in Stargate. Mm-hmm. And he made a comment about watching the show on the air has been relegated to poor saps and dipshits who can't figure out how to program their DVRs. Ooh. And he, he had to come back a, a few days later and really backpedal and apologize for the way that it came out. But I just winced when I read that and thought, that that's it exactly. That's a producer who is not treating his audience with respect. You can't berate your audience like that. That's that's cruel.
1: <laughs> this is someone who apparently failed to recognize uh, who is uh, putting money in his pockets. You know, ultimately, when it really comes
0: down to it, it's the viewer. You know, it's it's that it's those ratings that that call out to that yeah I understand the frustration over the rating system and the fact that it's it's those live viewers that are being measured uh, that really count for your ratings, but um, boy, what an awful way to express it:
1: one of the, that's, I mean that's one of the great things about about the the team who who developed Stargate you know they are so supportive of us they may privately think that some of us are a little kooky and they would be right,
0: but uh, you know they they're they're good about not saying it <laughs> This is true. How about you and I? How about guys who... How about men and women who have been watching this show for... Man, how long have I been watching this show now? 1998? Fall of 98, I think, so... Same here. Over 10 years now, who are Uh really long-term invested in this show, who are Mm -hmm. going online, you know, some of us every day and having conversations and making friends with people all over the world, and speculating about the show's future and talking about Mm -hmm. episodes and making websites and doing podcasts. Right. My dad
1: put it, put it this way. He says, you are a true fan. They would have to do quite a number in order to make you leave. Mm. (laughs) I, I, I've said it before. I'm in it for the long haul. You know, there are uh, incarnations of the show, of the franchise will come and go. I have not hidden it from my fellow fans that the current incarnation was not my favorite. Mm. Um, but it's it's a good one, and uh, there are elements that I like about it that uh, I continue to support. You know, whether or not I think it's the best show on television right now, I, I am still with this show, and I will continue to support it.
0: I agree that there are always going to be episodes that I don't like, and a string of episodes and storylines, and sometimes an entire season that that I don't like, and it does make me you know harken back for some of my favorite years of, of SG-1. But, again, we've talked in this podcast before about the fact that you and I are, are franchise fans, mm-hmm. uh, and some people are Atlantis fans, and, and I mm-hmm. certainly don't begrudge them for deciding not to stick around for universe. I think that being fans of the ongoing franchise gives us the opportunity to recognize that the franchise as a whole, Stargate, is stronger than than any one particular episode. It's stronger mm-hmm. than any one of its incarnations. Any one mm-hmm. of its legs, uh, and so if you don't like something about it, then you can come back and try again later. If uh-huh. if yeah, you exactly. were a huge fan of Next Generation and you didn't understand what on earth they were doing uh, with Deep Space Nine, well, you can you can come back for Voyager and maybe you'll like Voyager.
1: Mm-hmm. That's what I certainly did, you know. And uh, I mean, when Richard Dean Anderson left, and I think we've discussed this before, there there was this mass exodus. Of people from fandom who had been watching him since MacGyver had come on to Stargate, you know, but were simply not interested in the show with, without Richard Dean Anderson, you know. I respect that it's not me, but oh. I respect that kind of a viewer. Uh, but there's another question: there is their opinion just as important or less? Some fans certainly criticize other fans. Well, you're not, a, you're not a true fan. You don't watch the show for Stargate. You watch it because of an actor, and therefore you're not entitled to your opinion as much as I'm entitled to mine. Okay. You know, my, my opinion matters more than yours does because you, watch, you don't watch it for the right reasons, now, which I think is a horrible thing to say.
0: But certainly people feel that way. Some I've, do. Yeah, I confess i felt that way sometimes. I don't begrudge anyone the right to watch the show for the reasons that they love the show, if it's a certain actor. Uh, and and to leave the show or the franchise when that
1: actor's gone uh, well it makes me mad when they say well Richard Dean Anderson's not on anymore so it's no longer good you know that that makes me angry because then they're they're shoving it in my face that the, that the thing that made Stargate work was Richard Dean Anderson you know and while he certainly was a big help to it i don't think that that's the case you know and i think we're setting our sights way too low if we think that only Richard Dean Anderson is the best that Stargate can do
0: yeah, it certainly is human nature, though, to sort of take my opinion and project it and and fight for it and and say, why don't you all see things my way? Mm-hmm. It's a natural. It's human so way clear. Of why them. don't you see the right way? Thunderbird two makes an interesting comment that I want to read. He says, if you start to read a book and don't like it, send an email to the author with feedback. Then pick up another book you do like. However, you can't expect an author to change the way he or she writes for your benefit even if several million people agree with you. I think it's helpful to, to think about TV production in terms of, of writing a book, because really the way it's going is there's there's a creative head, or in mm-hmm. the case of Stargate, a team, uh, that that has a, a vision for where the show is going, where the franchise is going, uh, and you get to read chapters from their book every week. And mm-hmm. That's a good analogy. Some, sometimes they've got it planned out, and sometimes they don't. If you were writing a book, you wouldn't want... To send out chapters to a thousand people and uh, get them really invested in the characters, chapter by chapter, week by week. You wouldn't want them to expect that that their demands, for lack mm-hmm. of a better word, are are going to influence the way that you have plotted out your story.
1: I remember when I could watch Star Trek or Sequest or whatever, what have you, you know, and not know anything about next week's episode except for. The teaser that came on after that previous week's show. Mm -hmm. And that was a very rewarding thing, because you hadn't heard anything about it up until then. And I remember at a point around, I think, Voyager season four, all that changed for me when I found out I could go online and read spoilers for upcoming shows, just little dabbles of information, you know. And it was actually a tiered spoiler system, so I could go and read the full-blown spoilers if I wanted to, or I could go and read little snippets of, of hints of information that's coming up. It's just altered Uh, The perception of of so many viewers, you know, to to get nuggets of information and make complete judgment calls on entire episodes before they've even seen the show.
0: Yeah, this is really what I hate about spoilers. And, you know, I I love spoilers. GateWorld has done spoilers for years. Uh, I think it's it's kind of a fun way to enjoy the show. But, uh, yeah, I see the dark side of it. And I see the dark side of it all the time when people read the spoiler report that I wrote. And pass judgment on an episode that hasn't hasn't been filmed yet, mm-hmm. uh, hasn't even necessarily had a final script finished yet, and they say, "Well, I see where that's going, and and I don't like this or that, and that episode's gonna suck."
1: Yeah, I'm totally blown away by the number of fans who think they are entitled to spoilers now who think they're entitled to know about what an episode is going to be before they see it, so they can determine whether or not they want to waste 45 minutes on it.
0: Well, even those of us who have the rare privilege of, of reading the script pages that are sent out for casting auditions, that's the actual episode. That's not GateWorld's little spoiler write-up, GateWorld's mm-hmm. interpretation of what's going on. Um, even those of us who read those pages, I think, uh, don't see the the full picture because... Television is not a written medium. Television Mm -hmm. is a very visual medium, and there is a huge distance between what comes out in dialogue on that script page and what comes up on my screen. In regards to fans being treated with
1: respect, Mad Mm Welshboy says, I think that uh, there's a fine line when it comes to fan entitlement. Fans of any show... Not just Stargate should be treated with respect. After all, at the end of the day, it's the fans that watch the show and buy the merchandise, which allows them to continue on and entertain. However, this should not mean that the fans should have a say in the production or story direction, as the fans often don't know what they actually want, nor does a small
0: vocal online community of fans represent the whole fan base. Here's one from Fago. He says, fans are entitled not to be treated like idiots. Any number of things fall under this category, including overtly dodgy science and ridiculous settings or interpretations. Fans are entitled to in-story explanations of major events or shifts in the show. It also includes issues with characters leaving the show. For example, Jack O'Neill left the show, okay, but the audience is entitled to know where he went and what he's doing. This is a very specific example from from RDA's departure after season 8. Well, we were told what he was doing. I mean, uh, is is this individual
1: saying that we need to know what what Jack had for breakfast that morning? No, or we weren't told
0: what he was doing.
1: I thought we were. I thought he went on to to become head of Homeworld Security.
0: That was uh, something that that came about offline. I think it might have been uh, Joe Malozzi mentioned it to fans or or something like that, uh, uh-huh. or it was maybe in a in a script draft that came out through spoilers, and and it didn't actually make it into the episodes. Because I was looking for it early in season nine, and it wasn't mm-hmm. there. There has been no on-screen reference to what Jack's job actually is in Washington. That's pretty impressive. I'm surprised to hear that—that that we really don't know what he's doing. You know,
1: uh, the the title character of of Stargate, and we don't really know what happened to him.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm pretty frustrated with that one myself, and I, I don't feel like the writers are treating us like idiots on this particular one, but it is. It's it's a, it's a major issue of resolution for a character who is at the front and center of the show for eight years, and I was kind of disappointed that they were not more explicit with it than they were. It, it would be yeah. as if, uh, let's say, in the season finale, or maybe the movie, maybe the Atlantis movie, um, that's coming up next year, we arrive in Atlantis, the viewer arrives, and we see What's going on? And Chuck is working the console and there's Amelia in the back and Zelenko walks through screen and and we push into Woolsey's office and, uh, I don't know, Shepard is there and Taylor comes in and says, where's Mr. Woolsey? And Shepard says he had to go. And that's the end of it. Woolsey's gone. He's not the commander of Atlantis anymore. Mm. It'd be very frustrating yeah and to the average
1: viewer who doesn't keep up on all the shenanigans and and doesn't know about joseph malazzi's blog you know you have to ask how they'd feel as well you know we are ab- above average in terms of of the type of fans that really exist out there for this show you know the convention goers the, the people who like to get really involved in all the minutiae you know but but what about them you know don't they deserve some clarification too
0: yeah absolutely when you think about the the creative head and the the creative head has a vision for the show it makes me think of some of the other shows that i've i've watched that really clearly have a have a defined creative vision um that that have a full story that is is being told um i think about JMS and Babylon 5 i think about mm-hmm. Joss Whedon and all of his shows Uh, And when I'm watching those shows, I know that those guys are are at the head of those shows. Uh, And, you know, we want to be able to trust the creative minds who are making the shows happen, who are telling the stories that we are are spending our time watching. I think that they need to create the show that they have a vision for. So at some point, viewers have to say, I'm not sure what's going to happen, and I have certain things that I hope are going to happen. But at the end of the day, I trust the guys who are creating the show or the yeah. or women who are creating the show to continue to make the product that, that hooked me to begin with.
1: I'm going to put words in Tammy's mouth for a minute here because I know that she can't, um, she can't fight back, and I, I like that. I That's like funny. Tammy not being able to fight back. Um, where she, she is a big Battlestar Galactica fan, um, but uh, she doesn't like... What Ron Moore has done with uh, Starbuck and Apollo, mm. uh, and it's her belief that Moore has deliberately done this because he f- has discovered that there are so many fans watching uh, for Starbuck and Apollo, and he had a problem with that. He he kind of he kind of did the whole well they're going to marry other people. You know, so we so we can get the, so we can get the story to what I want the story to be about. You know, where, where he's 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 kind of basically said, "Screw you, uh, Apollo, Starbucks fans. This is not what the show is about. You know, this is what the show is about over here." Mm-hmm. So let's push Starbuck and Apollo aside, and so we can focus on this. And so she doesn't trust Ron Moore's direction for the show. I, on the other hand, know that Ron Moore doesn't make the show that fans want him to make he makes the show that he wants to make because he's as much a fan of Battlestar Galactica as I am. So, having mm-hmm. said that, I trust in Ron Moore's creative vision because I'm a fan of Ron Moore, not mm-hmm. just a fan of Battlestar Galactica because I know that the, that the story has come from his brain. And so, similarly, when when fans say they want the show to go in a certain direction, basically what they're saying is, sometimes they're trusting and their own creative opinion more than they're trusting the people who have been granted the power by the powers that be the suits at mgm to write the show themselves
0: yeah here's where it comes down to for me i think that at the end of the day fans have the right to be listened to they have the right to be heard and that's why GateWorld exists largely is is i think that that the presence of the site and the forum, I hope, gives fans a voice to mm-hmm. the powers that be. Uh, fans uh, should be listened to when they have a reasonable opinion and are not just flying off the handle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they don't have a right to impact the show's creative direction because they're, they're not making the show. It just it can't function any other way for, for all the various reasons we've talked about. Viewers can't control the direction of a show. Now that said, trusting in the powers that be, trusting in the the JMS and the Joss Whedon and the Ron Moores of the world, uh, in an ideal world, um, those who are tapped out creatively should be axed. Mm -hmm. And you've got to think about the fate of the Star Trek franchise, and, and Rick Berman and Brandon Braga have obviously received a huge brunt of fan criticism for basically driving the television franchise into the ground not getting out when they were tapped out. Uh, Yeah. And whatever you think about that and those two producers, uh, this is where it can get tough because you've got the creative strength of a show versus the business strength of a show and uh, the studio has employees that it likes, that it Mm -hmm. trusts, that have been producing a good product on time and has been getting solid ratings and selling on DVD. Um, At what point does the, the studio... That that owns Star Trek or Stargate, uh, step in and say, uh, business-wise, you guys are doing great, but creatively, we think yeah. you need to go. It just doesn't happen.
1: You hire a writer early on in a show, and they they flourish and they blossom, you know, and then they get stagnant at some point. Well, this is a writer who I've I've helped to bring to life, you know. This is my son or this is my daughter, basically. I can't give him the axe. You know, so I'm gonna just allow him to hang on. That's scary stuff. You know, and it happens all the time. You know, well, because... a lot of it is
0: business. A lot of it is is just that the fact that these guys uh, know what they're doing. They mm-hmm. they've been getting the job done, and they've been producing a quality show for a long time. So,
2: mm-hmm.
0: what? But
1: it, it could be of better quality if if they were willing to take a risk you know, yeah. and move on to someone else. One of the other points we wanted to talk about was personal contact. Um, what fans who attend conventions when they meet an actor or producer on the street, etc., cetera, uh, are entitled to, you know, a lot of us are convention goers. Certainly a few of us think that oh, no way am I going to go to conventions. That would, that would classify me as a nerd or a fan. You know, mm-hmm. there are a few of you who listen to this podcast who do think that, come on, shame the devil. Um, and you know, we we are kind of excessive you know we know what we like we like what we want and uh, we, we are certainly um, invited to go to the stage and, and ask Brad Wright or Martin Wood or whoever happens to be there Martin Garrow last year as well uh, what we, we're invited to tell them what we like and don't like about the show that's, that's one of the things that that's there for mm-hmm. you know But I don't think we're invited to antagonize them and tell them how much they suck, you know, because because, you know, I I had I had all my stock invested in Stargate, you know, and now you guys just made it drown. Move on, you know.
0: Yeah. But in that in that context, I think it is fair to ask hard questions. Oh, yeah, completely. We've all heard heard the questions asked, you know, what is Jack's favorite color or does Daniel wear boxers or briefs? We've all heard those questions asked so many times, so that those of us who go to conventions annually, or some some of us, several conventions over the course of a year, and you see the same guests many times, you want those those meatier questions, those harder questions to get asked. But the phrasing is the thing.
1: Yeah. You know, we have to be very careful about how we phrase things, because we can hurt someone's feelings, and you have to understand that these are people, and they have feelings just like we do, you know? That's... It's just the way it is. Yeah. They deserve to be treated with respect. Exactly. If if we think that we're to be treated with respect, we need to treat them with respect as well.
0: Here's kind of a typical experience for for a fan to go to a convention. The, the interaction that you would have with, say, an actor. Um, you can approach a mic and ask a question. Interact that way. A lot of people uh, approach the stage and give gifts that they've brought, that they've made. Uh, then you'll go through the autograph line, you'll have just a few seconds as your autograph is being signed to sort of interact with the actor a little bit. Uh, some people pay for, for photographs with the actors, which you'll again wait in a line for a long time, pay a lot of money, and then just have about a minute with, with the actor. There's, you know, there's verbal contact, there's physical contact, and, and, so uh, I guess for us convention goers what are the rules what are the rules mm-hmm. for personal contact what what mm-hmm. can I expect an actor to do or not do for me
1: Yeah I think what I hear most of all when I go to one of these events is I paid a lot of money for this so I'm going to get everything that I feel that I paid for
0: Oh yeah you know? a lot of people pay thousands of dollars for It those is ridiculous 3 days It leads to people doing all sorts of things what's once in a lifetime I love Amanda Tapping, or I love Michael Shanks, and this may be the only time I ever get to fill in the blank, give them Mm -hmm. a hug, tell them my life story, uh, Mm -hmm. grab their tush.
1: Mm. And
0: if uh, I
1: don't get it, I'm going to try to commit suicide and and call uh, the emergency number afterwards, telling them that... uh, I didn't get to see my favorite actor or actress, and uh, so I'm going to end my life. And that has happened. It has. We we all have different levels of personal psychological stability. That's the truth. And in it, it contains our own sphere of reasoning, you know? So what I feel I am entitled to may be a night with Amanda Tapping. <laughs> but that is not the case, you know? Mm. I mean, Amanda Tapping is a real human being, a real person. We need to be sensitive uh, to her to her needs and wants you know i'll never forget attending one convention and and uh and hearing uh someone ask michael shanks what michael thought the um most harmless way to die was so that uh they could do that to themselves mm. just scary stuff man and i don't think michael deserves that i don't think that that's certainly everyone else in the room that's not what they're paying yeah to come in here
0: there there are obviously a lot of horror stories out there uh but I'm asking as an as a, a ordinary fan, if, mm-hmm. if one of our listeners who is perfectly well-adjusted and, and comfortable with their life uh, decides to spend the money to go to a convention and see uh, a Michael Shanks or an Amanda tapping, uh, what would you say are the, the boundaries? Well,
1: I think, I think the first one is uh, be respectful of everyone else's time. Yes, this event for, is for you. But this event is not only for you. No, there are there are sometimes 800 other guests who are just as um, deserving of an actor's time as you are. And one of the other things that I think is, is very particular is that we are entitled to as much or as little as the actor wants us to have. Yeah. Just because they show up doesn't mean that we own them for the next few hours, yeah. it, that we can drag them around and do whatever we want with them. They are not public property, and I think that the the fan convention in particular is is um, something where we kind of forget that you know we forget that oh perhaps uh, an actor is not on television because they're all exuberant and happy and wonderful perhaps you know this is the job that they think that they think that they're cut out for that does an actor does not necessarily equal a person who is extremely outgoing you know and we yeah. have to respect their personal space.
0: Exactly, and when they come to a convention, they are not necessarily there to party and have a great time like all of us are. They mm-hmm. they may be there to work as much as they enjoy interacting with fans.
1: Some of them are just there
0: to get a check, mm-hmm. you know? And
1: in my opinion, I think sometimes there is nothing wrong with that as long as we are entertained in the process. Sure. You know, because that's the point of it. I, I do have a problem with actors who will take phone calls when they're on stage, um, from like loved ones and 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 such like that, you know. And I, and I, uh, uh, one of our moderators and I and I argued over this, you know, they, uh, um, this point because she said, "Well, you know, he deserves to 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 take a phone call while, from from his sister while he's on stage for for a couple of minutes." I'm like, "Not really. They've we've paid to come and see them, and someone else has paid them." to come and see us to at least at the very least tell stories and converse with us on stage they were not paid to take phone calls while they
0: were up on stage yeah if you were if you were shooting in the middle of shooting a scene on set you wouldn't it stop would be completely inappropriate yourself. That's yeah.
1: exactly right, and so many fans think, "Well, it's cute, you know." We get to see them bicker with someone else who isn't there, you know. And if it's an emergency call, if it's something important, if if their daughter is have, is in labor, you know, I completely understand that. But just an off the cuff phone call, you know, that's one of the things that I have a problem with, and well, that's from my own boundaries a- a- in terms of what I think that they that they owe us, I at least when they're on stage.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that when the times that I've seen that happen though has been it's usually Shanks and Judge one of them's Mm -hmm. not there and calling the other one uh Mm -hmm. and uh, or or chris will decide to call michael out of the blue and bug him while he's on stage and i think that's that's appropriate because they do it for the entertainment value of it yes they don't do it because oh i'm getting a phone call can can you 500 people hold on for a minute yeah exactly it's part of the routine
1: that was another one of the things that that continually took me is that uh, i remember being at a at one of the conventions and and a uh, and a fan uh, uh, got up on uh, got up to the um, the the microphone and asked for a photograph you know so okay the 500 of us had to be put on hold while her friend got to go up on stage with the actor and get their picture taken because the actor's not going to say no you know yeah. th- th- that person would be crushed if that happened, you know, yeah. what are you going to do? There's time and place for think. everything. Exactly. So you're going to say, sure, you know, while the rest of us are just like, okay, you know, didn't you read the little uh, fine print in the pamphlet? You know, it, it's, that's, that stuff is really irritating, man.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, not to belabor this point anymore, but I, I agree yeah. with you absolutely that, that when you go to a convention, you are entitled as a fan to whatever the actor says you are entitled to. Um, mm-hmm. Some actors are really huggy, and, and they love giving fans hugs, and they don't mind. Uh, and some aren't. They're they're maybe not as experienced with one-on-one interaction with fans. Uh, so I would say don't presume hugs. Don't presume that, that an actor is going to want to get into an extended conversation with you or be uh, empathetic, listen to your personal story. Uh, unless you've seen some established grounds for that, that ten people in front of you all gave amanda a hug and and she clearly has a long-standing reputation for for having that relationship with her fans i think that mm. there's precedent there it, it's appropriate but don't ever presume that sort of thing
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah exactly and we do have a uh a telephone
1: comment from shirt and tie from uh well i'll just let him say it
2: hi darren and david shirt and tie here in ireland continued success with these podcasts, which are proving to be required listening following each episode. In relation to your listener question, I believe fans are entitled to high-quality storytelling, top-notch effects, and superb acting. I feel that, as there are a myriad of factors involved in television production, it's very hard for every voice to be heard, but the consumer, in this case the fans, are entitled to some input. We have been fortunate in the past, I believe, in getting a lot of our suggestions heard, the return of Beckett being a prime example. I do have a proposal, though, for the powers that be, that if one slot per season was held open for a standalone story and fans were encouraged to write in some ideas, then perhaps a fan-inspired episode each season could find its way onto our screens. I'm not suggesting Snakes on a Plane, but rather SG-1 Season 4, Point of No Return, where the idea sprang from the fans. Thanks again to all at GateWorld and continued success with the podcast.
0: Shirt and tie is awesome.
2: Yes,
1: he is. Mr. Paul Dwyer. I love he has Paul. A, yeah, Phenomenon video. Go to gateworld.net slash video and the Phenomenon section under Paul Dwyer. You'll be able to see him
0: chat. He's a really insightful guy. So, peace, man. Shout out to you. Thanks, Paul. This is a really interesting idea. Set aside an hour of every season and take mm. fan ideas. It reminds me of, obviously, Star Trek. ah, oh, jeez, I always reference Star Trek, don't I? Yeah, you do. You do a little too much. <laughs> well, Star Trek is is the one show in Hollywood that used to have open submissions. Fans could actually submit scripts and get them produced. And they mm-hmm. were produced on, on TNG. So what do you think of his idea? Uh, I think it'd be cool,
1: frankly. I can understand if they couldn't do it. Um, but I really think it would be cool. What
0: about you? I understand th- they wouldn't want to do it because it's... It's so unusual. It's kind of out there, uh, yeah. But I think it's it's a really cool idea. I think you could get some some good press from the show, not not the episode that was written by fans, but the episode that that fans demanded. I mean, however, you could do that if if it was mm-hmm. some sort of poll or survey or or you know open invitation, and then you pick one. Uh, because again, it's hard to really measure the the consensus of fandom. There is no consensus in fandom.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: Yeah, if you could do it, I think it'd be cool.
1: Uh, Lithis Rose says, I feel like the only thing I'm entitled to is my own opinion. I appreciate it when the show's creative staff do things I like, and I wish I could tell them about the things I don't appreciate. I would be extremely happy if they would direct the story in the way I desire, but I don't think I have any inherent rights. They put the show out there, and it's up for me to watch it or not.
0: Yeah, Sylvia says something similar. She says, The only thing I feel entitled to as a fan is my opinion. I don't appreciate other folks saying that I'm not a true fan because I don't love everything about my favorite show. I am passionate about the things I like, but I also have strong opinions about things I don't. Unless the powers that be are going to take a poll of every viewer before they make a creative decision, they're better off doing what they want.
1: Yeah, I think that's really what it comes down to, you know. And in the spirit of, um, of uh, the Thanksgiving season, I think it's important for us to recognize and be thankful for what we do have which is we largely have a production team who pays attention to us far more often than we might deserve. And they do ask uh, for our feedback, and we do give it to them.
0: They read the comments, they read the forums, they read even the negative comments still, um, and they let us come back every year.
1: It's important to recognize and give thanks for that, because when it really comes down to it, I don't think we really have a say. And it's nice that that we do, because they really don't have to do that.
0: Yeah, they really don't have to listen to us. And I think that uh, as much as we've been talking up this topic of fan entitlement, and as long as we've talked about it today, um, that's that's really the the other side of the coin. The positive side of the coin is thankfulness. And what do we as fans have to be thankful for? Uh, we've got... We've got a great show and a great franchise, and it's a show that we still care enough to talk about. We still care enough to have an opinion about. It always
1: appalls me that the number of websites out there that are still devoted to Stargate that are around after all these years who are are so sour grapes about the direction of the show, of the people who still watch, you know, and they don't like anything about the show that is currently on. And these people love to be negative And they thrive on it. They enjoy it. And I don't understand it. In no way do they give thanks for um, what has already come and what is yet to come and what they've got right now, which is a decent group of guys up in Vancouver producing a show that they want and also trying their best to produce a show that we want as well.
0: I see in that a lot of, of really deep loyalty. Very often uh, those fan groups are centered around a particular character who is yeah. no longer with the show. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I see it as when you stick around after your character's gone and, and it's a couple years later and it's clear that your character maybe is never coming back. Um, I, I see that as sort of a, a deep sense of loyalty, not only to the actor who portrayed that character, but, but to the character itself. Uh, Mm -hmm. wanting to stick around and and have your voice heard and and say, this show was better with.
1: Mm -hmm. Even though it's not going to change the fact that that actor is not coming back.
0: (laughs) Uh, Producers have their role, fans have their role, and I think think we should all get along.
1: Mm -hmm. Please note your respective boundaries and do not cross the red tape.
0: Well, thanks to everyone for writing in and sharing your thoughts on this week's topic. Here's our listener question for next week's show. There are only four episodes of Stargate Atlantis left. What do you hope to see fully and finally resolved on the show in these final episodes or in the upcoming Atlantis movie? Is it a plot thread, a character, or a relationship issue? Did the Wraith need to be fully and completely destroyed? What are those elements that need to be fully and finally resolved? I look forward to the answers on that one. Give us your feedback by calling the hotline, just like Shirt and Tie did this week. That's at 616-712-1647. Leave us a short voicemail there.
1: Really quickly to interrupt you, I don't think people realize just how much their chances improve of getting on the air when they call in. I mean, 95% of the time, we take what we get on the uh on the telephone line on the hotline so if you call in you are almost guaranteed to get on the show and i completely recommend doing it
0: there are a lot of great comments that are posted on the site and it it creates a nice little discussion for the week um but if you post on the site your chances of of getting read on on the podcast or i don't know maybe one in 25 one in 50 in any given week uh depending on how much is posted and if you call, we've used almost every voicemail I think we've ever gotten.
1: So keep that in mind when, you're, uh, when, when you've got that great idea that you think you'd like to share with us and with your other fans.
0: Or you can also post on the podcast feedback thread at Gate World Forum, Or there's a show notes page every single week on the main site. You can post a comment there. Coming up on the GateWorld Podcast, December 9th, next week we're talking about Infection. This Friday's new episode of Stargate Atlantis. December 16th, we'll be back to talk about identity. That's episode 18, the final episode of December. And then David and I are going on vacation for the rest of December. We'll take two weeks off from the podcast and be back on January 6th to talk about Vegas. That's not where I'm going on vacation, that's the name of the episode. <laughs> Thank you for joining us once again for this week's very special podcast. We want to hear your feedback, just call the hotline. Again, that number is 616-712-1647, or go over and post on the website. In this episode, David and I talked about fan entitlement. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. We also gave you a preview of our interview with writer-producer Martin Darrow. And for links to everything we talked about today, head over to GateWorld.net and look for the episode number 21 show notes. From GateWorld, this is Darren Sumner. And I'm David Reed and you've been listening to the GateWorld Podcast.